Yeah, so good afternoon um, and it's a pleasure to see all of you all here on the third session of the day today. Uh, people who have joined in new, uh, let me just give you a refresher. We, this is our second year that we've been doing the manufacturing project um, and it's just been very encouraging. Rashman, I mean, it's the first session for you this one, but for the benefit of Mr. Vinlas and uh, for you, we We've had many sessions over the past two days and we've across electronics and plastic manufacturing. We also had, uh, today we had on uh, labor, we had quest for. Uh, essentially, we started the session last year to understand if India is ready for to be the next manufacturing hub and we be China plus one. And, uh, you know, last year the PLI scheme was launched by the government and it's been a year just to understand how we have been on this growth path, are we ready, what has the corporate India to do uh, to be ready to be the next manufacturing uh, hub. Over the two days, we've heard many, many uh, speakers. Uh, it's a very positive uh, mood across all sectors on the being the next manufacturing hub. Um, so, now, we looked at one more segment, which is, you know, pharmaceuticals. So, it's a very important segment in the world. And, um, you know, hence, we, we've also included it. It's not our traditional uh, manufacturing segment, but it's the most important one. And to understand what what from this, we, it's my pleasure to host, uh, along with my colleague Anshuman, host Mr. Hitesh Vinla, who's the Managing Director, of Milna's uh, Biotech. He has set up the domestic trade, generic OPC brands and export SBVs. And excuse me if I'm not uh, conversant with the world, but and plays um, a significant role in driving the technical operations, quality R&D manufacturing strategy and financial strategy of Milna's Biotech. He has over 13 years of experience in the field of management. He has previously associated, he was previously associated as a process engineer with Intel Corp USA. Um, before I hand it over to you, uh, Anshul, just a little bit of hygiene uh, issue. Uh, request all the participants to keep their mic and camera off, except for the host and the guest. Uh, please keep your cameras off during the entire session. Uh, we will give you an opportunity to ask the guest questions. Do raise your virtual hand. Please note that this session is being recorded. So, what do you want to Thank you. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Papa, uh, and thanks, Sitesh, for uh, joining uh, as part of the manufacturing, industry manufacturing conference. Uh, I think uh, uh, to start it, I guess you have a quick presentation. Uh, we can go through that first, maybe next five, ten minutes, and then we can open the course of questions. Uh, I will start with a few questions to the question line SMS and then so we will open it for the audience as well. Yeah, over to you, Vitesh. Perfect, perfect. Uh, thank you very much, Anshuman and uh, Sapna for giving us this opportunity. It's a pleasure uh, to come to this forum and uh, share our thoughts. Um, just a very small presentation from uh, uh, our side. Uh, I, we will be, I'm just basically setting the context and talking about what uh, Windless is about. Um, so uh, there is a uh, you know four or five slides that I'll go through and then leave time as much as possible for the questions. 
a little bit about uh, us and as you know i think all of the audience over here is very well familiar with the pharmaceutical value chain and i just wanted to uh, talk about where windler has a place in this value chain so we you know starting from research where there is a uh, you know companies who are doing new chemical entity research or uh, companies like uh, you know who are developing upcoming patent expiry molecules uh, or through alternate methods and uh, generic equivalents then there is drug development which is obviously also uh, in nce molecules as well as in uh, you know new, new pigdose combinations or new therapies or new dosage forms coming uh, for existing molecules and then we also know very well familiar with the api industry uh formulation manufacturing uh you know uh has emerged as a separate vertical to some extent uh, over the last 15 years more so uh as outsourcing has grown a lot and we will talk more about it uh, during this uh, session but uh, and uh, there are companies who are only in packaging so you know uh, importing bulk uh, manufactured tablets from overseas and then just doing packaging in india and finally marketing which is where we see most of our uh, well recognized names uh, you know the indian pharma market players who have large sales forces and are uh, sort of uh, you know involved in prescription generation for their brand there is an upcoming uh, you know segment over there also which is a uh, very very uh, uh, strongly growing uh, trade generics and windless also has a play in this so what uh, you know the the blue the blue circles essentially highlight uh, across this value chain where all windless is playing and one of the things that you know when we talk about uh, cdmos uh, i want to have a small differentiation from typical uh, outsourcing like what happens in let's say auto parts industry or other electronics manufacturing industry in those industries outsourcing is uh, happening but the technology is completely owned by the principal and uh, it's the the manufacturer is simply executing to the spec of the principal uh, in our case as windless we are a cdmo so we do our own product development we own the recipe manufacturing recipe the technology the regulatory permission the stability data and it is our dossier that our customers are taking from us for further launching and marketing so this is a very big difference kind of separate and uh, you know odm play versus an oem play and uh, we are sort of in the uh, in the former category if i look at windless today i mean we uh, also internally uh, you know take up three lenses the first lens is of scalability the second is durability and obviously the third one is how is our performance in terms of profitability and other metrics today windless is one of the top 5 cdmos in india focused on the indian market there are lots of other global cdmos present but uh, from an india perspective we are among the top 5 and it has come on the basis of last 20 years of uh, you know uh, work uh, developing relationship with seven of the top 10 indian pharma companies uh, having a very wide basket of products over last 20 years we have manufactured more than 3000 different uh, products for our customers four facilities 7 billion units of uh, capacity and uh, on an average last year we shipped let's say close to about 2.8 billion 
uh, unit. So this is something that uh, you know makes a big difference in terms of scale um, and uh, available capacity to attract business and grow. But a lot of this business has really grown through uh, focus and emphasis on quality. And uh, you know where our clients who are large multinationals, large Indian corporates, top 10 uh, Indian corporates, and many other smaller clients, uh, the quality norms have been getting pushed up year after year, not only by the global regulatory authorities, but also by the internal QA departments or quality assurance departments of our customers. And uh, this is one of the big differentiators and a mode when you work with uh, large clients. Uh, compliance is a must, and uh, our facilities get audited almost 50 to 60 times in a year. We learn from them, get better, and thereby, uh, you know, keep increasing our um, play in this. Almost one is to three ratio in terms of quality to manufacturing employees. And great generates, and I think uh, Anshima and I will speak a little bit about this as well, a very, very fast-growing, rapid wave in the country. And uh, Windless has also seen a very fast growth, although on a small base, as it's now still, but uh, very exciting uh, way of using our manufacturing strength and without employing a large sales force, providing products to the hinterland, the villages and kasbas uh, of India, quality products at an affordable price. Uh, when I look at the durability lens, uh, you know, we've been strongly backed by institutions. Uh, Tano Capital uh, was with us for the last six years. They exited through the IPO, which happened about four months back. We have a very strong and professional board uh, with an independent chairman. Mr. Vivek Dhariwal uh, was on the board of Pfizer and now our chairman. Uh, a well-aligned uh, workforce where not only the top team, but also across the board, there is a uh, pay for performance kind of a philosophy, you know, aligning the company with the workforce, the objectives of the, uh, you know, company with the objectives of the workforce. And this is something that we really pride ourselves and we really differentiate Windless from its peer group, which is the level of digitalization and usage of auto automated decision systems. So, whether it is quality management system, whether it is Zoho, CRM software to engage with customers, uh, whether it is data analytics to understand, uh, you know, uh, the, the performance both in terms of manufacturing efficiencies as well as in terms of, um, you know, margin improvement. These are things that we believe uh, we are a much more sophisticated team and have been using uh, tools to segregate ourselves from the pack and it shows up in some of our uh, performance ratios as well. We have a large customer base, more than 200 customers, and as a B2B business, we are very conscious that, you know, the top client concentration should not become unhealthy. So, we continually practice um, and uh, work on improving, uh, you know, uh, working with other clients so that there is not too much interdependence. And when you work in a system, uh, in the market, there is always a choice. You know, do you want to be the cheapest player to the have the largest uh, or you want to work on things that are slightly differentiated? And business has always taken a view on building a slightly differentiated business with focus on chronic and sub-chronic therapies, so diabetes, cardiovascular, um, 
and gastroenterology, neuro. These are the four therapeutic areas where we have focused and where you know there is a natural need for outsourcing because the treatment therapy in these therapeutic areas are multi-drug. So, I mean, even from our personal experience, you would know that hardly any diabetes patient just get treated with metformin. There are multiple drug therapies. So, you need multiple drugs to be combined into fewer pills and that has to be taken over a longer period of time. And this combination, six-dose combination, requires complex processing, requires more sophisticated process control, manufacturing and even development. So, this is where we try to create a moat and uh, a lot of our product, almost 68% last year was uh, in these complex areas. And you can do this, deliver this innovation-led strategy without having significant presence of uh, R&D, whether it is API development to develop the lower cost API processes and therefore then, uh, you know, to try to control the cost of our materials or in formulation development or nutraceutical labs, uh, we are uh, very focused on launching new products for our clients and innovation velocity is a very important driver for our business. And of course, I'll not dwell too much on the financials uh, since this is a different kind of a forum, but we have consistently performed in last three years about 35% material margin, good ROP and ROE numbers, and a pack of uh, close to 37.2 uh, million uh, as of last year. And obviously the financials are for the last two quarters are also uh, up on the website as well as uh, on the exchange. Uh, for someone who wants to take a look. Next slide. Uh, so, as I mentioned, uh, three businesses, three verticals, CDMO, almost 85% of our business where we uh, develop the product, we get the regulatory permission, we own the dossier and the manufacturing recipe, and our customers are branding them under their own brand name and taking it to the physician and getting prescription and sales out of it. The second vertical, uh, close to about 10% last year for our uh, overall business, but growing rapidly. And uh, this is where we decided to use our manufacturing strength and uh, target the smaller markets where which are not covered by medical reps, even of our customers, and get into some bit of distribution. So both manufacturing and distribution um, helps us uh, you know, improve a margin profile for this vertical, but uh, rapidly growing because this is where uh, quality generics at affordable prices, uh, you know, is sort of uh, the umbrella branding that we are trying to build over a long term over here. And then export, uh, one of our facilities uh, uh, was approved by FDA, uh, US FDA several times. We had a setback in them. So we have repurposed this facility towards Europe and other um, emerging markets and we are filing and building this vertical aggressively through market authorization uh, and product filings in these, in these countries. So, um, my final sort of slide on uh, quick summary, four facilities, uh, more than a thousand batches of different brands being uh, made, uh, you know, every month. The entire planning, so each each batch has almost 20 different ingredients. Uh, the, each of these ingredients is separately sourced, tested, approved, and then dispensed together 
to manufacture that bag. And this entire planning across four facilities is done by a team of three people. So this is the level of sort of uh, you know sophistication in terms of data, uh, in terms of uh, you know tools, and in terms of automation that we are striving towards. And I believe that as a manufacturing entity, uh, these kind of efficiency creations are going to be a very big uh, play in terms of how we emerge uh, in, in in the future as an efficient and a strong partner for our customers. So uh, that was my last slide. Um, Anshuman, we can jump into questions now. <clears throat> no, sure, sure. I think, I think that was good. I think some of the people who don't know the company, I think it's a good sort of fact. Um, the, 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 the question, I, I'll start with, you know, obviously, this is a manufacturing forum and obviously we want to Sort of focus on uh, you know the manufacturing aspect, even not just for last, but in general for the industry. So I think my my first question would be really you know I think very hot topic um, what's happening in China. I think there has been a lot of R and cost increase for the industry, right? So both from a both from your perspective as well as from the industry perspective, since you know uh, you are a lot focused on the domestic market, what are you really seeing from a client behavior perspective, right? And also what's happening in the market. If you can just tell us these two things, right? Um, we can start with that. Sure, sure. So Anshuman, we we buy roughly, you know, uh, close to actually more than somewhere around two hundred and fifty different APIs, you know, across the product range that we uh, you know deliver to our clients. And uh, uh, you know a huge number of experience and of course packaging materials. What we have seen obviously, just like everybody else, there has been a, a sharp change in price of packaging materials across the board. And that, you know, remains true regardless of, uh, you know, which materials we are talking about, whether it is aluminum foil which gets used in every single, uh, you know, tablet packaging or uh, cardboard or paper, uh, those prices have increased and, uh, you know, that that is real. Now, in the API side, there has been a huge amount of, uh, you know, uh, fluctuation in some limited APIs. Like, of course, paracetamol and metformin have had crazy amount of uh, changes and uh, many companies have even talked about it, management of several companies have talked about how it's impacted margins and such. For us, we are, uh, as a CDMO, we are a cost plus model, you know. Um, and uh, so for, for us, largely, we tend to pass on the price changes to customers, the price increases to customers. But what does happen is that there is always a lag. So uh, if we have inventory uh, of, of older stock or customer, if we have accepted CPO of, uh, you know, uh, uh, at previous prices, then to that extent, it takes the time to pass on these increases to customers. Uh, so far... Uh, you know, for example, in our uh, numbers, if you see, uh, we had, uh, at the beginning of this year, we had anticipated that we will improve gross margin because uh, we had said that uh, with our combined trade generic uh, volumes as well as our uh, CDMO and the momentum that we were seeing, we would be able to negotiate better, get some buying efficiency in. But, uh, you know, while the margins, uh, gross margins have stayed more or less the same, you know, somewhere around 35%, but still uh, there is a lot of volatility 
and uh, even today uh, when we see uh, with the winter olympics and china shutting down coal factories uh, the prices of solvents going up uh, now solvents are a key ingredient in almost every uh, organic material uh, synthesis so it will have some kind of an impact on different materials again so it's very hard to say whether you know when this will stabilize and what will be the net impact but uh, you know largely we have been able to pass on but yes uh, as as every business in this uh, space we will also have some effect hard to quantify today but uh, hopefully maybe in another quarter we might be able to see better uh, you know ideas around how it so it uh, is thanks for that explanation but is it i mean what is the plan, how is the client behavior thing are you seeing them switching out of products where you are not competitive and are they going to other players uh and you know end market demand i mean is there any change uh, because of that for you guys so if you can share that with us sure so uh see anchor price changes or increases due to such uh, factors have been across the board so i would be extremely surprised if my competitor is able to buy at a much lower rate unless they have you know a limited rate contract for some period or something so uh and there also when changes are so much like you know metformin almost doubling in price uh, paracetamol uh, also then also you know vendors will come and renegotiate nobody will honor the older uh, rate contract that such big variances so uh, my sense is that you know the uh, in terms of client behavior uh, what we have seen is that the large account and multinational account have actually doubled down and they said that you know we want to uh, have no stock out we want that product right and so we have continued to ship and you can actually see it in the uh, you know gaining of their market share in the ipm so the larger accounts have actually gained a market share in most molecules uh, as compared to the uh, mid size and the smaller so the top 30 guys have gained while the uh, below 30 guys have uh, had uh, trouble retaining market share so i think they have actually taken market share away from the smaller guys and the smaller guys i feel have had uh, you know trouble uh, getting their sales force into the doctor chambers they've had trouble uh, engaging uh, or getting availability of their brand into the market so their prescription bounces have happened and so doctors have said that no they will rather go with the larger brand so that patients don't have that problem of prescription bouncing and all of this is played out so my sense is that uh, you know we are seeing some uh, higher volatility in demand from the smaller guys but the larger guys have sort of you know opted to uh, you know double down and and they have performed they've absorbed some of them take, have taken price increases also in some molecules as permitted by npca but uh, you know uh, overall structurally that is what is reflecting in the ipm and uh, perhaps you know uh, that will get reflected in you know as as we look at uh, over a slightly larger span of time in our uh, you know mix of sales as well so i think that was that was exactly the next question that you are actually seeing smaller guys sort of copying to source from you because you know they are small in that particular molecule and prices have become sort of not very conducive from a profitability perspective right you have just seen that already 
Yeah, what we have seen is not a stoppage of uh, sourcing, but more as a hold on orders or you know reduction in quantity, trying to minimize the amount of stock they have in the uh, you know channel, so as to not get stuck with highly priced inventory because they are looking to see if the stock if the prices will come down also. So that kind of uh, you know the order size shrinking a little bit, uh, where somebody was picking up five lakh tablets for a certain. Brand, they will say that okay, now let you know, let me pick uh, two lakh, uh, you know, in one go. So the batch size queries around, can you reduce the batch size? You know, those kind of behaviors are what we see. And uh, how do you expect the industry to sort of mitigate these? Right, there is uncertainty. I mean, if it continues for longer, how do you think the industry will be able to mitigate? These? See, I think that. Uh, for there is a lot of uh, you know brouhaha at the uh, NPPA level where industry organizations have represented and said that you know there has to be a one-time uh, correction in the uh, prices of uh, that are frozen by NPPA and NPPA is now covering a very large number of uh, SKUs. Uh, so so. So I think the government will, and, and recently they have allowed also in some uh, molecules, but the government will come back and uh, look at that favorably. So that correction will happen. My sense is other, otherwise that, you know, these uh, uh, changes in on the price side are, you know, so typically our customers, Anshuman, have a, you know, gross margin of anywhere from 65 to 85%, right? So it's not an existential question for them. If the if the price is increasing and the margin is shrinking by let's say five or seven uh, percent, but what is happening is that if uh, their expenses they have to manage and the large guys are able to do a better job of that, smaller guys have some tough time. My sense is that if it lasts very long, you know, if it lasts like a year or so, then uh, probably we will see some uh, you know consolidation and more and more market share going to the larger guys. My sense is that. Sir, um, the other question which keeps coming up is, right, this debate between outsourcing and insourcing, right? Some of the companies who are keep saying that, uh, you know, or, or the thing that we are hearing is that some companies are always talking about insourcing more, right, as they move forward, right? And especially with KLI and government offering some incentives for manufacturing, do you see that as a big risk? To uh, you know the contact manufacturing business in general. So first of all, no, not at all. Um, and here are my reasons for it, right? So if we look at why does a company outsource, uh, you know, of course the traditional reason was to uh, you know when they don't have capacity, so you go out and have that reactive capacity coming from uh, you know so you do 20% outsourcing on a brand and 80% in-house. That was a multinational approach 15 years ago. But what is happening is that with the emergence of well-developed outsourced uh, CDMOs like Windlass, like some of our peer group members, and you know the top guy in CDMO industry is a very large guy, almost five times our size. Um, the capabilities around efficiency creation have really reached a very high level. And so, uh, you know, a lot of products that we manufacture, we are the most efficient force. So if somebody was to take their limited volume in-house into their own plant, the uh, the variability in demand planning itself will make it an inefficient uh, coverage of their fixed cost. 
So uh, this is this kind of a portfolio effect that happens at our level is an efficiency creator and a variability reducer, and therefore you know we we are able to uh, create value in the system. I believe this value is there to sustain and stay. Now uh, in this uh, space there are players like Windlass and others who are uh, doing a a model which is also innovation driven right so we are coming up with uh, fixed dose combinations on uh, you know patent expiry molecules like we launched dapagliflozin and combinations last year wildagliflozin and combinations last year uh, we are now coming up we've launched some uh, you know very recently in this uh, quarter we've got permissions which are first time in india we are the only ones to have them it's old molecules those combinations to DCGI permission. So, when you have this innovation-led module um, model, you are bringing something new to the table for your customer. And as a basket, then again that relationship gets strengthened, and that uh, you know uh, that uh, that business uh, becomes a sustainable and stable one. So, if if somebody is only working on price. Um, and and their only value to the system or to their customer is that they can do something the cheapest. I would think that those guys will be impacted. But um, you know where the value proposition is on uh, you know new product and uh, launching new product entries uh, and like like what we are doing on efficiency creation, uh, you know going backward into some molecules to better process. Getting the API done ourselves also at CMO size. These are ways where we continue to add value in our customers' ecosystem. And I believe that it will be very hard for uh, you know customers to just sort of take a call and say let's just do everything in house. Uh, my other sense is that see uh, from whether you look at PLI or uh, you know where uh, my sense is that those customers who are saturating uh, and are not able to bring top-line growth uh, will probably look at doing some of these plays also. So, uh, well, that's why we, for, for instance, have a very, very, uh, you know, uh, tight focus on what is our top client concentration. Uh, if, my, if my top client is a very large contributor to my business and then they decide to outsource, that becomes a, uh, you know, a significant uh, problem. Otherwise, it, you know, these, uh, these impacts will be, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of absorbed by the industry. And I don't see an existential threat uh, as such. I'm sure if that's what was your question. Sure. Uh, anybody in the audience, if there are questions, please raise your hand. Um, Ashay, you want to take the next question? Yeah. Uh, hi, hi, Jeta. Hi. Thanks a lot for the brief presentation. So, I'm from the Investor Sales India team only. So, I've got three, four questions. Uh, one is uh, specifically on our revenue uh, visibility or revenue model of the order book. So, that is very short, is what I understand. So, say 45 or 60 days is what we get to know. Right? So, so that is actually a very short cycle. So what I'm trying to understand is what are we doing in terms of uh, to mitigate that or say have a sustainable growth for longer term? Because uh, 
the cycle is very less. So after 45 days, you actually don't know what's going to happen to our order book. Right. So uh, Ashish, this is uh, something that works. Like you know, the there is very like for example, when we work with multinationals, we get a six months plan, right? And out of that, first three months is uh, confirmed, and the next three months are tentative. When we work some with some of our uh, you know large accounts, this plan becomes like a three months plan. Uh, but the smaller guys, they want to have uh, you know maybe maximum of two months visibility, one month confirmed, one month rolling. So what happens is that when you aggregate these things on a product level or on a molecule level. So let's say I have uh, 200 brands in diabetes, right? And uh, let's say you know 25% of them might be metformin or its combinations. So when I aggregate them, I will have a better idea of what my uh, uh, you know demand will be on certain things, and therefore I will be able to take actions on my purchase side, whether it is advance booking of uh, raw material, availability, and such. So when uh, is the the way it works is that as I mentioned, the variability across customers is getting uh, you know uh, addressed when you uh, you know take take all those orders and put them into one uh, and, and say that uh, what what is going to be my uh, you know planning on the manufacturing side. I feel that uh, you know any time that there are large shocks. in the economy and uncertainty for end customers people start to get conservative around inventory and uh, that is something that uh, lead to a shorter uh, horizon on uh, confirmed order so this is something that you know we all will have to live through unfortunately nobody can say what going to be the impact of omicron you know are we, are we going to have a, another lockdown uh you know how my a new product launch going to be done with these kind of lockdowns so these are all things that everybody has um to sort of take it in the stride and continue uh, believing that you know a diabetes patient will still need medicine and uh, we are manufacturing significant number of uh, products for significant number of customers and uh, and we continue to find avenues for uh, you know Uh, dealing with these issues, so I mean, uh, there's not sort of like a one big solution or one big idea that I can say, but so far we have seen that you know even with this kind of volatility, both on the positive and negative side in Q1 and Q2, uh, we have uh, had a 15% uh, you know COVID-adjusted uh, sales growth on each one, so we have been able to uh, perform. um and i and i think that as some of this volatility subsides so we will continue to become stronger so uh, the sales growth which you mentioned uh, right now so uh, what i'm trying to also understand is so if you see a cdmo revenue over the last 7 uh, 8 years has been a decent growth so from this base uh, which is a little higher base i want to try to understand if we can grow with that pace or not this is Do we uh, see us growing in that space? So, Ashay, we have uh, you know the only guidance that we have really given, and I will stick to that, is that in the long run, 
we will double our uh, you know in the five year run we will double our cdmo business we will triple our trade generic business and we will quadruple our export business and i see no reason to uh, you know to doubt whether we will be able to achieve that uh, in the in that time period thank you okay uh, so uh, one more thing i have is on i mean anshuman touched up but i wanted to uh, understand a little better in terms of insourcing so i mean four months back uh, uh, i mean not only us but lot of cmo cdmo cro and everyone was you know talking a lot of uh, uh lot on uh, you say uh, the whole cdmo space or cro space kind of shifting to outsourcing clients so i mean there's a huge scope and then uh, uh what we get to hear is that we you know we uh, we see that you also lost or we, we i think so in the con call you mentioned that we uh had a loss on insourcing clients which is a little significant to our revenue so that is that's a little disconnect where we uh, one case we see one case we're saying that there's a lot of opportunity and simultaneously we also seeing uh, you know insourcing i mean we're losing uh, sure. insourcing clients so if you could just highlight a little more and probably just reiterate in terms of uh, what the, uh, what has been the china plus one opportunity and in terms of how so these uh, some corporates i mean uh, uh, are they yet kind of willing to outsource and how was the industry looking like yeah so uh, see uh, it's very very important to share to really look at this not in a uh, you know isolated way but in a, in the context of uh, the situation right so for example let me give you some number uh, a top 10 client for windless um, uh, for for windless has an outsourcing budget of let's say somewhere in the range of 1300 to 1400 crores out of that their uh, india market outsourcing is about 1000 crores now for windless we are let's say uh, you know i cannot name the client but we are selling let's say about 25 to 27 crores last year uh, to this client now if this client ship uh, you know uh, a product that was let's say 5 crores for that client for me it's a 25% reduction in that client's revenue but for that client it's 5 crores of uh, you know shifting in house out of a 1000 crores of buying that he's doing okay so it's almost insignificant and it's like a, a routine operational decision for him but for me because of the size uh, difference it becomes uh, you know uh, it, that, that is a significant on that client basis so you know these kind of things will always happen uh, in uh, some things products will get insourced we will come up with new formulations we will launch new products and then we will gain back revenue the key thing for us is not uh, we, we cannot sort of uh, stop these decisions at our client level or also not uh, our our action on this is the launching of new products what are we doing to uh, develop new products and we have accelerated our r&d spend as well and what are we and we have also received some uh, new marketing authorizations in uh, on dci permission which will drive some uh, business and also you know adding clients 
and uh, you know getting uh, more business or winning business in other areas so uh, i think that um, it uh, the changes must be looked at in the context of the you know uh, a pipro change in insourcing is not a uh, walking away from a thousand crore outsourcing right so it's very very important to look at it from that perspective um, uh, and not not uh, sort of panic that there is something structurally changing here so uh i have couple of questions uh, but i'll just wait till that someone else who wants to ask or else i or else i can ask them. anybody else has a question then i think asal can be in queue asha can be in queue and you can ask a question anybody in the audience okay asha go ahead yeah uh, so i know many people have asked you during the ipo a few months back so i again just uh, little emphasizing on the different and you touched up on in your presentation as well but still it does not you know uh, uh please you know, i it, it does not come out that uh positively but i i want to know in terms of a differentiating factor amongst our top 5 players so we amongst the top 5 but uh, it seems that there is no significant differentiating factor between the top 5 which is uh, adding uh, clients and that what we do i mean everyone does the digital part is what i'm assuming but apart from that uh Uh, I want to know more about the differentiating factor. If you could show some examples with some clients wherein you know that stickiness is there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ashish, uh, I think that uh, if I was to ask you, uh, what is the differentiating factor in among the top five IPM players? Everybody is doing branded generic. Everybody has large sales forces. Everybody has in-house as well as outsourcing. Right, it's the same generic molecule. A pantoprazole is a pantoprazole by Torrent, by you know Intas, by Mankind, by uh, all of them. Right. So one thing which is very important to understand is that in our state, this is not a winner-takes-all kind of a uh, industry. So even if let's say somebody is the cheapest manufacturer of a certain molecule. He, you you can see among in the data that even the lowest priced uh, you know uh, metformin in the industry will not have more than 15 16% market share so so what i'm trying to say is that the competition is a highly multifaceted one there is elements of uh, compliance which is Uh, a minimum, so you have to get approved by that client to get, uh, you know, to be able to supply to them. There is elements of uh, product fit. You have to have the kind of product that they are looking uh, to grow in. Now, somebody is trying to expand in urology, and somebody else is trying to expand in, uh, let's say, diabetes. And finally, there is element of delivery. Right? If the OTIP levels uh, of a client are not serviced right. you know with uh, with the proper uh, you know timely deliverables then obviously there there, there will be some uh, back and forth so so this competition as well as uh, you know uh, it's not on a single aspect it is across innovation in terms of product offering in terms of 
uh, quality compliance and systems, in terms of uh, price, as well as in terms of service level. Now, uh, that is why, you know, the, and what we talk about is that our relationships have been uh, fair, uh, quite long. You know, some of our clients have been with us for uh, since day one, 20 years. Uh, and, you know, I'm, uh, I, I cannot say that, you know, the other top five players who are our uh, peers, uh, unlisted peers, uh, their, uh, you know, profile business will be very different. What we can talk about is how we are looking to compete in the future. And this is where I believe that uh, as a manufacturing entity, the focus on efficiency creation is a very, very important one. Right? So, uh, and, and uh, you know, that efficiency creation is, is something that, uh, you know, eventually differentiate your, you in front of the client as well as in your own book. We are, uh, you know, at our uh, EBITDA margins of, uh, you know, they were about 12% last year with whatever changes we have talked about. We were at 11 point some uh, percent uh, in Q2. We are still the leader in our uh, peer group, right? So, uh, clearly what we are doing and how we are doing is working. And this is when we have a fixed cost overhand of plant 3 and plant 4, which is new capacity that got, uh, you know, uh, added recently and still is going to be filled up. So, uh, these factors are, uh, you know, the, are sort of the, the way that we are looking to compete. And, you know, again, uh, despite uh, all this uncertainty, we've actually increased our R&D spend. If you look in Q1, Q2, we spent more than uh, what we did uh, in previous quarters. And we've also got new permissions uh, from, uh, you know, uh, customers, uh, from DCGI uh, to, to launch with customers now. So, all of these will eventually result in uh, playing uh, this uh, differently. In, in, this is sort of in the more immediate term. If you look at it in the long term, we are adding injectables. That's an area where, uh, you know, there's a lot of excitement. Uh, there are a lot of new products, upcoming patent expiry molecules, as well as, uh, you know, older, uh, you know, a lot of the existing CDMO infrastructure in injectables has become very outdated and old. So, this is again a play there uh, in, as it, uh, you know, uh, there's a plant is filled, we will see uh, longer relationships, repeat business, and uh, new products being added. So that's how we are looking to compete in this space and, uh, you know, uh, we believe that uh, with our focus, the, the kind of talent that we deployed and the kind of rational decisions that we are making and very transparent approach uh, to customers uh, that we will emerge as a leader in this space. Okay, thanks. That's very useful. Just one last thing. So you touched upon little on compliance. So my next question was on that. So uh, if you see uh, this, this industry, uh, uh, specifically the CDMO pharma space in India, for it's very fragmented, right? So if you right. see the top five players, where uh, and I wanted to understand more on this, uh, where you see these top five players benefiting is uh, 
uh, one key factor what I see is any stringent regulatory and compliance norms which come, uh, which can uh, easily knock off the smaller clients which will directly benefit us. So where do you see uh, that uh, happening currently and uh, uh, just want your take on that? So, you know, the new Schedule M is definitely one of the ways that the government has taken a stance and uh, improved, uh, increased, you know, compliance. There's also been a very significant increase by the government in terms of picking up samples of substandard drugs, uh, or picking up samples and testing them and calling out substandard manufacturers. So, there has been a very high, almost 800 new inspectors appointed in the last couple of years, lots of samples being picked. Uh, and, uh, you know, these kind of ways that the government is tightening the nose around uh, quality norms. Uh, the other thing is that when you see, if you see the, like, top five CGMOs in India, if the sum total of revenue of those top five companies is still growing, right, what it means is that there is huge opportunity and everybody is growing. So, uh, my sense is that until we start seeing uh, you know, this kind of, uh, I, mean, I see that there is a huge consumption-led demand growth that is going to happen with uh, deeper penetration of healthcare. Uh, as e-pharmacies, this whole act around the new, new drug act uh, is expected to regularize the e-pharmacy and allow, uh, you know, uh, pharmacies to officially, uh, as per Drug and Cosmetics Act, uh, you know, dispense, uh, perhaps even substitute. Now, that's going to create another opportunity on, uh, hopefully, on private label uh, products, which, again, we would uh, be the beneficiaries of that, and on top five CDMOs. Uh, so, uh, these are all areas where a new, obviously, new molecules uh, that are coming up for off-patent, uh, you know, in the next uh, three, four years is a very rich pipeline. So, I believe that uh, innovation, um, the consumption-led growth in uh, demand and, uh, you know, uh, focus on quality are the three ways in which we will, uh, you know, which we have sort of in the last 20 years built a name for ourselves and we will continue to uh, stick to that. And these principles are going to help us tie through over the next whatever number of quarters that, uh, you know, still this... Uh, COVID uncertainties, uh, you know, uh, and China aspects uh, sort of um, exist. Thanks a lot. Hi, sir. This is Achan. Uh, sir, my continuing to what Ashay was asking in this uh, CDMO space, so do you, like, have you witnessed any form of consolidation as yet? One, because they were not able to uh, match up to the regulatory standards. Secondly, probably COVID disrupted them. So, has there been a lot of M&A activity in the industry, in the space, in the private space that you see around? So, uh, I have not seen much of M&A in the private space due to COVID. Right, but uh, yes, uh, what uh, we have seen is that, uh, you know, for for example, before 2017, once uh, where when the tax exemptions were the primary reason for some manufacturers to exist, 
after the gst came came up a lot of those factories got closed but uh, you know covid um, last couple of years no i have not seen uh, much impact um, i have uh, you know from a mna perspective i think that you know capital availability is also a constraint achal um, because uh, you know most of the companies which have come up they have organically grown they are not really uh, you know private equity funded we were i think the first cdmo in india to get uh, private equity funded and now subsequently uh, you know two three of our top tiers have also gotten private equity funding so i'm sure that some of this will happen but i have not seen much happen as of yet and perhaps that's also because uh, you know a difficulty in doing diligence difficulty in actually evaluating things uh, with all these restrictions and uncertainty around uh, you know um, uh, the whole uh, covid aspect So, to put it in another way, are you seeing new capacities getting added in India as such for domestic pharma, or is it uh, shuffling of existing capacity? Are there quite quite a few asset blocks on sale, or are you seeing new greenfield capex happening in the country? So, uh, there is a huge amount of greenfield capex that is happening. Okay, Ashal, but. it is mostly geared towards export market right people are uh, targeting uh, you know the developed market and there's a lot of uh, activity that is happening towards that there are only one or two players in the top i would say top 50 or even top 70 who will uh, who have recently come up and said that they will do in importing and they are adding you know their own facility or they will do something about something like that so uh, this uh, we have not really seen a lot of new capex being added for domestic market consumption now there will be obviously exception uh, for example vaccine uh, there's been a lot uh, happening on that space and probably with this omicron and maybe other variants coming in this will get another fillip so uh, Uh, you know keeping that aside uh, is is what i answered so and uh, but within cdmo players there must be an organic growth of capacity right right you almost everybody is doing expansions like we are doing an injectables uh, some of our top five cdmos are also doing expansions in various other things uh, somebody is going after ayush uh, somebody is uh, doing api uh, you know backward um and and things so push people are uh, everybody is expanding especially those guys who have fund available okay. then the next one was on trades and risk so this the segment is seeing exponential growth over the last 4 5 years and very recently we have seen some of the big players which were earlier not interested in the space also trying to get their foot in here so exactly what would you say has changed is it uh New markets, or it's even the metros that is seeing substitution of volume through cheaper generic street generic that is playing a role. And within given that now it has got the attention of all the big players as well. Do you think it poses as a challenge for you to make your mark here, or to I know we are still at a very small base, so going should not be a problem. But do you foresee this as a problem that even the big players have got their eyes and attention on this? no actually i think the you know any time a new opportunity emerges it is the smaller and nimble players 
who will actually uh, you know adapt and adapt and actually win the large players have uh, you know their current overhang of large brands which they want to protect so they will obviously not be very very aggressive you know you would have seen a few quarters ago one of the you know, top five players uh, talked about how their uh, trade generics was cannibalizing their uh, branded generics and they had to do distributor realignment and exercise so you know actually those companies who have large branded generics presence will by definition be a limited player uh, obviously with their size that number could be anything but uh, they will not take the risk of cannibalizing their uh, you know bda now uh, what we have seen if you see in the trade generics player the real uh you know uh, emergence of companies like eport or laborate uh, all going to 1000 crore plus in a very short span of time so these are uh, the companies who had no you know invested uh, bdx brands to protect and they were able to go both into the hinterland of india as well as into metros to provide this uh, you know option of trade generics now it's also very important to remember that is trade generics is not just being driven by the opportunity identification of uh, you know uh, let's say a marketing company it is actually being driven by the rising awareness at a patient level for uh, cost of medicine and that uh, you know uh, especially as e pharmacies penetrate deeper and and they go into a tier 2 tier 3 cities which is their said a model and with the large tie up of you know tata being with 1mg amazon jumping into it um netmed being being with reliance um sasta sundar uh, pharmacy chain now going with the flipkart and uh, so all of these are highly funded well funded and they will reform the distribution and reach into deeper and deeper uh you know territory so uh, the branded generic model i believe uh, for the very large guys will still work but there will be some displacement especially the small and medium guys will have pressure to justify why uh, you know they would not be replaced by a um, uh, an, an option coming from trade generic now uh, we see this as an opportunity in fact because uh, whether it is uh, our own trade generics going through the offline channel or you know when when online becomes more pervasive and reaches those uh, territories we are the manuf- end manufacturer of the formulation we have the capacity we have the ability and to compete at those margin levels so my sense is that this will happen if you look at the new uh, competition commission of india's report on this subject i think it got published only about 10 days ago um they have actually recommended a creation of a database where all the brands of equivalent quality are named so that they could be substituted among each other so these kind of things will eventually come and the government will take notice regulations will come and uh, which year or which uh, you know uh, at what point it happens uh, we don't know but Uh, i think those are great unlocking opportunities for this uh, trade and this political for us so so currently we would be getting uh, demand or orders from private or private labels from any of these e pharmacies 
So most of the e-pharmacies have stayed on the nutraceutical side. Nobody is really come into directly into substitution, uh, you know, uh, of uh, pharma products. Uh, so primary care, nutraceutical, some experiments have run. Yes, we are doing some manufacturing for some, uh, you know, some of the players. Okay, sir. Thank you, sir. Very awesome. Thank you. Uh, um, I think, Kanchun, we've uh, short, over short by a couple of minutes, but uh, one final announcement if somebody has questions, do raise your hand. But in the meanwhile, uh, if we don't really get any questions, Anshuman, would you like to kind of sum up a bit of this conversation um, before we close the call for the day? Sure, sure. I think, uh, no, no, thanks, Ritesh, uh, for this uh, insightful session. I think industry is really uh, solid, has really solid macro diversity. We are hoping that Abindla um, also, you know, emerges as a solid participant. And um, you know, and, and achieve a long-term goal of doubling or tripling and quadrupling of sales of each of these segments. So I think we look, we look forward to that and uh, participate in this journey. Um, so uh, thanks, Nitesh. I'm hoping to see you on Monday anyway when we visit your plant. So yes, absolutely. Forward to uh, hosting you. Sure. Thank you, sir. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. And please join in at 2.30 for our next session, which is uh, with Azad Engineering. I'm sure we'll have more interesting. But thank you, Mr. Nitesh. And uh, we look forward to hosting you one more time in the future. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, sir.